That's in your wildest dreams by the Moody Blues from 1986. And I have the Moody Blues because the archives of last night's show did not appear. They weren't deleted, they just did not appear. Um, the site had a crash, it had a uh, database corruption last week. And I fixed everything. And, and most things are working properly again, but uh, I didn't notice that it had a side effect of messing up radio. Not really messing up radio, but messing up the archiving of the radio. So, I did the whole show, and then I went to go put it in the archives and you know have it go up on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else, and it wasn't there. The recording wasn't there. It did not record because of this corruption in the database a week beforehand. I won't explain from a technical standpoint what happened, but uh, basically the cure for what happened messed up the radio. So the corruption didn't directly mess it up, but when I was fixing it, that in turn messed up the recording of the radio, and I didn't know it until I went to go do the radio. So everything seemed fine until I went to go check on the recording, check on the MP3, and it didn't exist. So I'm checking right now, and everything's fine. Of course, we have the conspiracy theorists who thought that I just deleted the recording of the radio because I didn't want something I said on there to be recorded. But I'll give you proof that's not true. Not 100% proof, but circumstantial proof. Some of you noticed that the on-air light was not flashing when I did the radio last night. If you notice on Poker Fraud Alert, there's a flashing on-air sign whenever the radio is on. And that was not on last night, even though the radio was on. That was affected the same way as the recording was. So, obviously, if I was trying to cover something up, then there wouldn't be this other problem as well. I mean, yeah, you could say they're unrelated, but they're both radio-related things. I promise you they were related. I promise you this was accidental. And believe me, the last thing I felt like doing was doing another show this afternoon saying the same things I said last night. I don't mind so much doing another show the day after, but I mind having to say the same things all over again. In fact, I thought about performers at uh, you know big hotels who have to do the same show night after night after night after night. That's got to be brutal. I mean, yeah, you have an audience that loves you and different people every night cheering for you, but to sing the same songs, to do the same plays, to do the same acrobatics, it's, it's got to be really, really boring and unsatisfying to do that over and over again. I mean, I, I guess it's okay to do it for like a few weeks, but imagine just being like a 10-year contract, like Celine Dion and doing the same show over and over. I mean, it would, it would kill me. So at least I only have to do this once. At least I only had to repeat this once. I could have just said forget it and uh, did the show again next week with new topics. But the truth is most of our listeners listen in the archives. So while everybody who listened live got to hear it, uh, we have a lot of people that count on this show being here once a week. And we're really expecting it. And then it didn't show up. And they were so disappointed. And I... After getting a lot of messages about it, I said, you know what, I'll do a show, it won't be three hours or anything, but uh, I'll do a show that's very similar to last night's show, so if you heard last night's show, you probably won't enjoy this show, it'll be very repetitive for you, but if you did not hear this yet, from last night, then it will all be new to you. And, uh, you know, I figured I had a little bit of time today, so I would do this. 
No free roll, of course. That already took place last night. So I won't even bother describing that. If you want to call in, you can do that. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston phone number. That is a phone number that is based in Mount Charleston, Nevada, which is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. You can drive to it in about 45 minutes. It's an old 70s telephone sitting on top of the mountain that forwards to wherever I am. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. Either way, you have to show your caller ID. And that's what I was going to warn you about. I get, uh, I will have to be interrupted with a few things during the show. So um, just hold on one moment. The show will come back on. Alrighty, so we're back. And uh, I was going to warn everybody before that phone rang. During the day, I have a lot of things to do. And uh, you know, today I have a few hours, but I have a few things that are happening. Some phone calls coming in. Uh, I, a delivery coming to the door, and I have to do these things. So what I'm going to do is whenever one of these things comes up, I will have to pause the show like I just did, and then I'll turn it back on. And uh, in the archives, you won't notice really because I will be combining it all into one show. So you won't hear any break. You'll just hear me say I'm going, and then I'll be right back a second later. Not ideal, but uh, it's really the only way I can do it. I can't do this tonight, so uh, it was either this or nothing. So I know this is kind of non-standard. I know it's kind of amateur hour sounding, but it's the best I can do here under the circumstances. So I will give you the agenda tonight. Tonight. Today. I'm so used to saying tonight, but it's actually daytime. It's uh, a little bit after 12 p.m. Pacific time. You can also chat with me in the chat room. Not many people there, but uh, I know this is an inconvenient time of day for a lot of people to listen live because a lot of people are at work or just are not expecting the show at this time. But uh, if you want to come in the chat room, I will be trying to read that. Probably be easier for me to read the chat than last night because there won't be as many people chatting. So here's the agenda today, not tonight. The Full Tilt Poker claims are starting this week. When I mean the claims, I'm talking about the way to get your money back that has been trapped there since April 2011 if you're a U.S. player. And there's been an update since last night, so I'll talk about that and I will read the announcement from the Garden City Group, which is managing this whole thing. It's important you get this done if you have money stuck on full tilt, otherwise you may not ever be getting your money or you may be getting your money in reduced fashion. or You just want to get this done before the deadline, which is two months from now. I'll explain that. WSOP.com opens for real money for Nevada residents. It was supposed to open tomorrow, but it opened yesterday. Now, you had to have pre-registered if you want to play early. Early meaning you know, yesterday or today. Otherwise, you have to sign up tomorrow after 9.19 a.m. Pacific. I will call Eric Ryland, who has already been playing on there, and will give us a review, a short review, of WSOP.com, how he likes it. I will also talk about some recent conversations I've had with Ultimate Poker. And when I say with Ultimate Poker, I don't mean their support staff. I mean meaningful people in the organization who shed a lot of light to me as to what's going on there. I can't reveal a lot of things because these were told to me in confidence or semi-confidence or something said to me that I wasn't asked not to repeat, but I have to think 
they probably wouldn't want repeated, but I can give you the gist of the conversation, and I can tell you some things that I learned, which actually makes them look better in my eyes. But uh, they still have a while to go to becoming the product that they need to be. Let me say that. Remember there is a bust on a New York gambling ring. This was a Russian mob led gambling ring where there was sports betting, there was poker. A lot of people panicked because they thought this meant underground poker rooms were being busted by the FBI, but that's not what this was about. This was mainly about sports betting. They just happened to be doing poker as well. But there's a second poker angle to it in that various well-known poker players were involved in bookmaking. They were involved in taking sports bets for this organization and were arrested and charged. This includes Justin Boosted J. Smith, Abe Mosseri, Peter Nordberg Feldman, Bill Edler, and others. But they actually get a little bit of a break Not much of one, but a little bit of a break in a recent ruling. I will talk about that. A Poker Fraud Alert exclusive, though I actually announced it last night, but uh, I'll talk about it again. Iovation, the company owned by Greg Pearson, who's the CEO, who was involved in the UB cheating. It's not clear if he directly cheated himself or if he just benefited from the... I mean, he definitely benefited from the cheating. Uh, he was heard on tape, on the Russ Hamilton tapes, with talking about covering up the cheating. So Greg Pearson, who's currently the CEO of Iovation, which is now a legitimate company, and uh, is a pretty large company, and has nothing to do with uh, gambling other than providing ID verification, they are allegedly trying to get licensed in Nevada. And they are supposedly investigating their own scandal. By the way, if you're calling in, uh, please wait until I give the agenda, then you can call in. But they're investigating the UB scandal, presumably to investigate it in a way to where Greg Pearson looks the best, and other people involved with Iovation like John Carl, to where they can report to the Nevada Gaming Commission, hey, look, we investigated this whole thing, here's what we found, and this proves that our current officers were innocent in that whole UB mess. Now, they weren't innocent, but that's what they're probably going to present to the NGC as a result of this, quote, investigation. So, this came from Jack Bates, a former UB programmer, and he has been in contact with other former UB employees that have tipped him off to this because some of them were contacted by Iovation to cooperate with this. So I think that's, it's highly likely that this is really happening. And we really have to make sure, as much as we can, that this doesn't happen. And that Iovation does not get licensed to do anything in the legal Nevada online gaming industry. Absolutely important that Greg Pearson shut out of that after what he did to the community. I'll talk about that. The EBT Barcelona, where there were thefts of laptops of players there, uh, looked very much like an inside job. Talked all about that last week on the broadcast. I'm not going to rehash that whole thing, but we are going to try to call the EBT Barcelona. The one good thing about doing this daytime show is that they will probably be there. Well, maybe. They told me that uh, someone's coming in at uh, 8 or 9 in the morning, Spain time, 
which was nine hours later than Los Angeles, Las Vegas time. Well, now, it's not the middle of the night there, but I guess it's already getting late again. It's already uh, 9.23 there in Spain. But we'll try. We have a better shot at reaching someone meaningful at 9.23 at a hotel than we would at 5 in the morning, like when we called yesterday. So we'll try to reach uh, the Barcelona Arts Hotel, where all this went down, and try to speak to their security department. Try to speak specifically to the woman who was directing this whole thing, uh, Melanie. And get their take on this. And I'm going to hit them with a hard question, because I don't give a crap what they think of me. So I'm going to hit them with the hard questions until they hang up on me, provided there's someone there to answer my questions. Uh, also, Poker Stars has not commented yet. I'll talk about that. There's an attempt to fight the auto-seeding scripts on Poker Stars. Uh, that's been going on for eight months now, but uh, I'm going to talk about it for the first time on this show, and I'll tell you what an auto-seeding script is. It's very unfair. And uh, Greg Merson has joined in on the fight, and I think he's right. The movie Runner Runner has released a new featurette. A featurette is a little uh, extra that you won't see in the movie. It's not really a preview of the movie, though it does contain some scenes in the movie, but it's a little uh, a little feature on Black Friday and how online poker became illegal in the U.S., and then has the actors and the director talking about online poker in general. I'll play it so you guys can hear it. This does not feature me. I will be in the DVD extra talking about cheating in online poker, but that's not what I'm going to play today. That has not been released yet. Luke Schwartz, a.k.a. Full Flush, freaks out on Twitter. He's very mad at poker stars because they banned him from the site after he attacked a floor man at the EPT in some way. Physically attacked him or physically confronted him. He did something pretty bad playing live, so he got banned from all PokerStars events and PokerStars itself, and he, he had a Twitter tilt while he was drunk. I'll read what he said, and I'll tell you what happened after that. There was an aftermath. And finally, the WBT Championship is leaving the Bellagio after being there 12 years. I'll tell you where they went, and I'll tell you my opinion as to why they left. So that's the agenda today. Boy, it's brutal saying all this again. I feel like I'm... Uh, Living my life in a loop. Kind of like Groundhog Day, where the guy wakes up to the exact same day over and over and over again. If you haven't seen that movie, you should. It's actually a good movie. I thought it was going to be really annoying to watch a guy live the same day over and over again. I thought, oh my god, it's bad enough to live that. Imagine watching a guy live that. But it was actually a good movie. It's 20 years old. It came out in 93. Rent it, if you can. I thought it was a very good movie. And it it stars uh, Bill Murray. One interesting thing about the movie, if you remember it, is that uh, they don't make this clear, but uh, the director said that Bill Murray's character actually lived the same day over and over for about 20 or 30 years and didn't age physically, but that's what the... what the script of the movie was really trying to get across. That it wasn't like he lived the same day for two months or something. That he left he let it for like he had the same day going on over and over for like twenty or thirty years, which is why he was able to learn so many things. I won't give all the plot away in case you haven't seen it, but uh, he was able to learn a whole lot of things like a new language and stuff like that you can't just learn in a day or a month. 
and, and became so familiar with everything happening there that uh, he would have had to live it for 20 or 30 years. That was what the director said. Which uh, Imagine living the same day for 30 straight years over and over. And you can change what you do on that day, but everybody else comes into the day believing it's the first time. And no matter what you do when you're finished, you're back to the same day. That would be hell. And that's kind of what I'm living here with this show. But I chose to do it, and I'm, uh, I'm going to try to do it with the same zeal as I had yesterday. So, let me go to the first topic. And, and this show won't last as long as yesterday, because uh, I just don't have the time to do a three-hour show. And also, to be honest, I remember more of what I said, so I can say it faster. You know, when you've told a story to someone, and you've, you're asked to tell the story to someone else the next day, you can usually say the same thing faster, because you remember exactly what you said the day before. So let me start with Full Tilt. Uh, Full Tilt Poker's claims process started this week, on September 16th. If you want to file a claim, you should go to fulltiltpokerclaims.com. And there's an update. Yesterday I complained on the show that if you did not receive an email that there was no way to actually file a claim. It had all this other information on the page at fulltiltpokerclaims.com but there was no way to actually file a petition unless you had received that email giving you the information you need. So I said, that's lousy. What are we supposed to do if we didn't get the email, including me? I didn't get the email. But there's an update today. Now on the top left-hand side, there's a little menu, Home, then File a Petition for Remission, which is what you need to click, and then Fax and Contact Us facts being FAQs. So now you can actually file the petition. You need to do this by November 16th. The sooner the better. So go over there and do it if you have any money on full tilt. If you do not do it by November 16th, you may not get your full refund and you may not get any refund. So definitely do this by November 16th. Do it now. Go to fulltiltpokerclaims.com and do it now if you have not done it yet. So I'm going to read... Uh, some information here. Oh, it looks like some information disappeared. That's interesting. Maybe it's on the other page. Wow. Something I read yesterday disappeared. Now I have to find it. They changed the... Uh, they changed the site. So now what I read yesterday <laughs> has moved, I think, to the FAQs. Um, let's see. Trying to find who's eligible. I'm going to read that. Where's the, where's the restrictions? Wow, it's gone. The restrictions are gone. That's so weird. I'll tell you what I'm looking for, and it's really weird how this has disappeared. They had a list of people who were not eligible, and that has been removed. That's really strange. I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. Basically, yesterday on the site, it said who was not eligible to file a claim. And it said that uh, you could not file a claim basically if you received payment from Full Tilt for anything. 
in the past. If you received payment because you were a vendor, meaning like you provided a service to Full Tilt, like, you know, you provided your business space for a party for them to have and they paid you in Full Tilt money, then you were not eligible for payment. Or if uh, it said any Full Tilt, anyone who worked for Full Tilt or its affiliates, they weren't clear what affiliates meant. Do affiliates mean traditional poker affiliates? That wasn't clear. Anyone who was a Team Full Tilt member was not eligible. Obviously, anyone who was an officer on the Full Tilt board was not eligible, and anyone who had any kind of civil or criminal filing against them in relation to this uh, Black Friday action was not eligible. I mean, that's pretty obvious stuff right there, but vendors not being eligible? That's crazy. So, like, what if you have a million dollars stuck on Full Tilt, and and they once paid you $500 for some services that uh, you did for them? You're not eligible to get your million back? I mean, that's crazy. So that was up there. And uh, also the whole thing about Red Pros, past and present, are not eligible, which is really strange because they're owned by different people now. So current Full Tilt Red Pros who live in the U.S. are not eligible to get their money back? Crazy. Well, that stuff is gone now. It was on the site last night. I read it from the site, from FullTiltPokerClaims.com. It is now gone. So maybe they decided to... uh, remove that because they didn't feel it was accurate. There's got to be a reason it's gone now. The only thing about eligibility now says petitioners must also meet all other requirements outlined in, and then they put this link, to be considered eligible for remission. If you click that link, you get this uh, long thing in small print that uh, isn't particularly easy to read. I won't be able to really analyze it on this show because it's not... uh, it's not very very straightforward, to say the least. But it doesn't say the stuff that I read last night. So maybe they've uh, since rethought this whole thing and realized that they shouldn't deny remission to people who just happen to be a red pro. Like, it didn't say red pro specifically, but it said Team Full Tilt. So what does Team Full Tilt even mean? Does that mean, like, the main people on Team Full Tilt, like Eric Lindgren, or do they mean people who are, like, fringe red pros, like Aaron Bartley or Mike Schneider? Like Mike Schneider, for example, he was only a red pro because he was a card runner's pro. And card runners had all their instructors become red pros as some kind of agreement with Full Tilt. So does that mean Mike Schneider doesn't get his money back? Like, I I didn't know. Nobody knew. But it's gone. Weird. I'll tell you what is still there, though. Uh, they're saying now, and this is, I think, has been what they've been saying the whole way, that they received a... F- you know, money for a fund from Poker Stars, where Poker Stars bought Full Tilt from the government. Basically, the government seized Full Tilt from its prior owners, said, "Okay, we own this now," and then sold it to Poker Stars for seven hundred fifty million dollars. Some of that seven hundred fifty, I think, like one hundred fifty or two hundred million, was set aside as a player repayment fund, to where that money goes to players who ask for their money that had it stuck on full tilt all this time. U.S. players I'm talking about. So, this is what's called a positive checkoff system, meaning that you don't automatically get your money if it was stuck on full tilt. You have to ask for it, and if you don't ever ask for it, you don't get it, which means anyone who doesn't know about this or anyone who does not petition in time will never get their full tilt money. 
So it's important that you do this. You don't just wait them to wait for them to send you a check. Now, what happens to the rest of the money? What happens if all the money paid out is not as much as the fund? Let's say they pay out ninety million and the fund is one hundred fifty. Where does the other sixty million go? The government keeps it, just like they kept the rest of the money that they got from that sale. A lot of these seizures, you have to understand, on Black Friday were about money. They expected the sites they seized, Poker Stars, Full Tilt, UB, they, they didn't know that two of these three sites were broke. So what they thought was going to happen was that all these sites would pay a large sum of money as a fine, and then they'd make a lot of money off of it. And then they'd also stop serving U.S. players. So they would kick them out of the U.S. market and get a large sum of money from them. When I say large, I mean hundreds of millions of dollars each is what they were expecting. In fact, they were hoping to get as much as a billion dollars from poker stars in a fine. Now, that's not what happened. Because they found out that two of the three sites they seized were broke, Full Tilt and UB, and poker stars had money, but uh, basically poker stars' version of the settlement was buying Full Tilt for $750 million. So the government got their money, but the government wants to pay out the minimum possible. They have to pay something, because if they just took all the players' money and kept it, that would look terrible. So they can't just keep U.S. citizens' money. I mean, they could, but they they really don't want to because that would really, really make them look bad in the eyes of the public. So they want to give back the money, but they want to give back as little as possible. And the way they do that is letting everyone file a petition for it, knowing that a lot of people won't file. People who have very little on the site, people who just don't know about it, even people who have died or whatever. Uh, those small balances on there, things that a lot of people will not bother petitioning for or even keeping up with the situation to do so, those will add up because they had a lot of people on full tilt. So you say, oh, what's $25? Well, if you have 100,000 people with $25, that's 2.5 million. So that's an example right there of how quickly these unclaimed balances can add up. So make sure to sign that petition there. Not sign the petition, but file the petition. You click on file a petition for remission at fulltiltpokerclaims.com. You either have to enter your petition number and control number, or if you don't have that, then you click create a new petition on the bottom and enter everything you know. It also said last night, and I can't find this anymore either on the website, that when you're filing your petition, it will actually try to look up your full tilt balance and tell you, this is what we think you had stuck on the site. Is this right? And if you say yes, then uh, that is what you will be eligible to get. If it's wrong, I don't know what you do. But um, you're not going to have to guess at your balance after two and a half years that they actually have it. When will you get the money? I don't know. So, that's what's going on with Full Tilt. File the petition. Do it before November 16th. Better to do it now because you'll probably, I shouldn't say probably, you might be first in line to get the money if you file a petition first. And also, you just don't want to forget. Also, what if by some fluke, I don't think this will happen, that's why I say a fluke, but what if by some fluke, there are more petitions, more valid petitions for money when you add them all up than the money they have to give away. 
Will the government dip into the remainder of the $750 million and pay out of that? Of course not. This fund is the maximum they will give away to U.S. players. So once that fund has been exhausted, and they're not going to pay anyone out until the uh, first round of the remissions process is finished on November 16th. But once that date comes, they'll add up all the petitions, check that they're valid, and then whatever that total is, they're going to compare it to what the fund is. If it exceeds the fund, then what they will do is prorate it. So let's say the fund is $150 million and uh, they end up with $165 million worth of uh, petitions. Well, they can't pay out $165 million if they only have $150. So what they would do is pay everyone $150 over $165 for every dollar, which is uh, 10 elevenths. So you'd be getting $10 for every $11. So if you had 1100 bucks on full tilt, they would send you 1000 You don't have to worry about this because this is not going to happen. Uh, the estimate of the amount of U.S. money that was stuck on there I think was fairly accurate, and that's what was set aside in that fund. And, as I said, there's going to be a lot of unclaimed money. So, it's pretty certainly going to finish below what the fund is, and the government will keep the remainder. You really don't have to worry about the other way. I'd be shocked if the other way occurs. Now, one thing that bothers me is we're not getting any interest. It's been two and a half years. A dollar today is worth less than a dollar was on April 15th, 2011. It's been two and a half years. Inflation hasn't been really high. It's not like the late 70s. But we've still had inflation. Our money is worth less. So therefore, we're actually getting paid less. Even though we're getting the exact same dollar amount, it's worth less than it was two and a half years ago. And this is not a surprise. There's been inflation just about every year in modern history in the U.S. So what they should do is if there is a remainder if there is more money to give away than people ask for, what they should then do is calculate interest and pay people interest out of that fund, at least until the fund is exhausted. But they're not going to. They're not going to. They should, but they're not going to. Why shouldn't we get interest? Interest is real. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an abstract concept. If a dollar in 2011 could buy, I'm just making up these numbers, a, a dollar... Eight worth of stuff today. That means you've lost money. Even if the actual amount is the same. Uh, I have a delivery coming now. Uh, This show will continue in about 15 minutes. Okay, so we're back. And I apologize for the delay for those listening live. Um, I did get a delivery. People in the chat room thought that I got some kind of food delivery. And maybe the driver didn't have exact change. But no. Uh, I actually got a delivery of some merchandise that uh, took a while. Unless I get some more phone calls, I probably will not be having any more interruptions. So I can probably do the rest of the show straight, but no promises. I I do have some phone calls that might come in, but nothing I'm definitely expecting. Anyway. Fortunately, that came just as I finished the last topic. So I'm going to move on to the next one. You guys know about the EPT Barcelona. That was a Poker Stars event. And 
a lot of people won their seats through Poker Stars or bought in through uh, FPPs. We're put up at the Barcelona Arts Hotel during the tournament and had the harrowing experience of finding their keys not working. And when they came back up with their new keys, after the front desk made their keys, their laptop was gone. Happened to several people. And it became pretty clear from the subsequent cover-up as well as the fact that the laptops reappeared when these people left again to go complain to the front desk that uh, this was an inside job. It looks very much like an inside job. I'm not going to go over the whole reasoning behind why I think that and why others think that. That's in the previous show. But Poker Stars, they really messed this one up. Um, first of all, their security guy, they had a security guy there for Poker Stars. And Poker Stars should have a lot of influence here because they bring a lot of business to the Barcelona Arts Hotel. And they're also a large organization, and if Poker Stars were to pull out of there for security concerns and make that public, that would make the Barcelona Arts look terrible. And this is a five-star hotel. This is not some Motel 6. This is a five-star hotel that's associated with the, uh, I think, with the Ritz-Carlton. Either that or the Four Seasons. I'm forgetting which one. But uh, it would be a huge embarrassment for them if Poker Stars pulled out saying, we determined there's a security problem here, we're afraid that this even could have been an inside job, that would have absolutely decimated them. And when I say decimated, I mean their reputation. They still have business, but that's the last thing they would want. So Poker Stars had some influence and power here. Their security guy was totally snowed and totally manipulated by the security people at the Barcelona Arts Hotel. But it goes beyond that. When Lee Jones, who represents Poker Stars, posted about this and confirmed that this was going on at the Barcelona Arts, he said, among other things, that the police in Barcelona had been contacted about this matter and that they were working with the police. Well, several days later, he came out and said, Sorry, I made a mistake. The police actually hadn't been contacted. We just contacted them now. Sorry about that. We thought we contacted the police, but actually didn't. Those weren't his exact words, but that was what he was trying to say. So, he blamed the mistake on himself. But I don't think it was his mistake. I think it was reported to him that the police were called. And then when he pressed for further details, realized that they had not been. And then felt like a fool, but decided to fall on the sword for the rest of the PokerStars employees. Since he's kind of the more public face. He's like the public spokesperson there. So he doesn't want to bring other people into it whose mistakes it actually was. Can you imagine? We thought we called the police, but we forgot. We actually didn't. Can you imagine if someone broke into your house and a week later someone asked you, so what did the police say? Oh, well, um, I actually thought I called them, but I forgot I actually didn't. Well, you told me last week you did. Yeah, I know, I know, but uh, I told you I did, but I, I forgot that I actually had not called the police. Like, like how is that ever miscommunicated? How does Poker Stars not follow this up enough to where they say, well, okay, did you contact the police? What did they say? Who's your contact there? Where is the status of the case? Like, like, how were those questions not asked to where if the police hadn't actually been called, that that would have been discovered immediately? Instead, it took them several days to realize that they had forgotten to call the police, even though they had said that they did. That's just one of many examples of how Poker Stars bungled this horribly. But even worse, it's now been 
over a week and a half since this happened. And poker stars, since Lee Jones's message about we thought we contacted the police, but we actually didn't, nobody has heard from them. There is no public statement from poker stars about this. Nothing about their progress, nothing about what they're doing going forward, nothing about what they are discovering along the way. Everyone's just sitting here scratching their heads, wondering what the hell happened there and how poker stars could have sat by idly as this occurred. This is the second time this year that Poker Stars has messed up big time while on the road. They messed up at their own Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas, where they had that uh, weird Zoom tournament where the rules were changed midstream and a lot of people got unintentionally cheated. And when I say unintentionally, the people who were being cheated were trying to say, look, you know, I know you didn't, you're not meaning to cheat us here, but this rule change pretty much makes us drawing dead to where we can't win. Can you please back this out, and they said no. And they could not get someone there intelligent enough to understand that this rule change in the middle gave a few people a super big advantage to win that tournament. And then when it was all over, they still didn't fix it right. Even after admitting they made a mistake. So twice now in 2013, we had a situation where poker stars, while on the road somewhere at one of their their tournaments, one of their live tournaments, messed something up big time, Whoever was in charge, whoever was the top guy there at Poker Stars, was not capable of handling the situation. And then when everybody got back home and bitched about it, rightfully so, Poker Stars didn't make it right properly. First of all, why is Poker Stars sending idiots out to these remote events? It's not like they're a small site. They have deep pockets, they have a big budget. Get someone who has a lot of authority, get someone who's got some intelligence get someone who's good at handling problems that occur on the fly and put him there so when something like this happens he can take charge and he can direct everything the way it should be and not let these things escalate to where they do. Second, once everybody gets home, why is PokerStars not handling this properly? I just don't get it from a company that is known for typically smart business decisions and good customer service. They've blown it twice now this year. This one worse than the last one. And they continue to blow it. They don't even fix it when they get back. They continue to blow it. The first thing that happened in January to this day has not been right. And I have a feeling that this one's not going to be made right either. I would not be surprised if Poker Stars returned to the Barcelona Arts Hotel with some sort of flimsy promise next year that this won't happen again. Unbelievable. They should never return to that hotel. And they should really come out with a statement about what they believe happened, what they're doing about it, what their mistakes were, how they're not going to let this happen again, and maybe even compensate the players who had to deal with the nightmare of the security over there, which PokerStars enabled. PokerStars security was in on the whole process and bungled it big time. So here we are, a week after my last show where I talked about this, over a week and a half since this first happened, I think like 12 days ago now, and they have done nothing. They have not come out with any statements other than, we thought we called the police, but we actually didn't. Oh, and by the way, here's how to better secure your laptop. Well, thank you, Poker Stars, for the computer lesson, but it would be better if you guys were teaching yourselves how to handle security rather than teaching us how to secure our laptop. So they really blew this one. And they're just 
not making it better with every passing day. So, uh, moving on to the next topic, and we're going to try to call someone now. Actually, no, we're not going to. We are going to call someone, but we're not moving to the next topic. I'm going to call the Barcelona Arts. We tried last night, and I got just an operator who said that the security person I need to talk to is not there, and that was understandable at five in the morning. I'm going to try to call them again, and maybe reach someone in security. Right now it's 10.10pm there Last week we tried to call them But it turns out I can't call free on Skype to Spain And I did not have My Skype account loaded up I only have 3 cents on my Skype So I broke out the Jew wallet I spent 10 bucks on Skype credit And I have uh, $9.88 left After spending uh, a quarter yesterday On those phone calls So I hope you guys appreciate the, the big bucks That are being spent to bring you this entertainment And informative content to call the number I reached yesterday. One number didn't answer, and one number I did reach. So I'll call the one I did reach yesterday. And there's the European ring I absolutely hate. Buenas tardes, gracias por llamar al hotel Barcelona, la tienda Mayen. ¿Qué puedo ayudarle? Oh, yeah, so this is Alvin Finkelstein. I'm, uh, do you speak English? Yes, of course. This is Hotel Barcelona. How can I help you? Yes. Um, would I be able to speak to someone in the uh, security department right now? Um, maybe I can help you with something myself, or I should know with who I can transfer you with. Well, do you have, um, is Melanie in right now? Melanie Dorange? I'm sorry, but she's not in the hotel right now. Okay, uh, is there anybody who you works... You want that I give you the email? No, no, we need to speak to her live. Is there someone who works under her that we could speak to right now? I'm sorry, you will have to wait until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., I'm so, really sorry. So is there anybody there at hotel security that we can speak to? Um, that's you, but may I know with, uh, if, what, if, about what it is so I can transfer you to the right person because the security department that we have maybe is not the, it no, doesn't no, have anything they're, related they're with the right the, ones. your we, request. We've, we've dealt with them before. Mike, I have a client, his name is uh, Colonel Nigel Fabersham. He stayed here uh, two weeks ago during a poker tournament and uh, he had a, a break-in in his room where his laptop was tampered with. And when he went to security, yes. he got a very uh, unsatisfactory response. And uh, so he's uh, he's now um, contracted with my services here. Um, I, I'm an attorney here in uh, in the United States, and I would like to speak to the Barcelona Arts uh, Security Department about uh, what they came I'm up gonna with. I'm going to check because um, I don't know if the, the security department that we have maybe will be able to speak in English. Let me please check with them. I'll stay okay. on hold. Just one second, please. Yes. So we'll see if Alvin can get some answers. And uh, we're on hold here. Someone's saying I have no idea what she's saying. I actually do understand what she's saying. She, she's basically saying I'm going to go check with the security department if they can speak English. <laughs> so we may have no idea what she's, what they're saying if they transfer us. Someone saying in chat. Thank you for waiting. Yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Thank you for waiting. So I just called them and they tell me that the one that is in charge of this, that is the manager of security, is going to be here tomorrow morning. He has already left the hotel. What What is his name? His name is Mr. Martin. Mr. Martin. Okay. And what time does he come in every day? They will be here at, from 7, usually till 6. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you. 7 a.m. till 6 p.m. All right. I'll call back then. Thank you. All right, so uh, 
The good news about this is 7 a.m., provided the time change doesn't happen again. I, I don't know when Spain goes off daylight savings time. 7 a.m. is actually 10 p.m. where I am, which means I will be able to do it at the end of next week's show. I thought they were coming in at 8 or 9. <laughs> P-L-O-L saying in the chat, 11-hour days, Mr. Martin is a hardworking guy. Yeah, probably working hard uh, stealing laptops. Someone in chat saying Ricky Martin. Yeah, I'd rather have Ricky Martin in charge of security there. Uh, I'd, I'd rather have him there uh, dancing in the living La Vida Loca than stealing my laptop. So, we'll try it next week at the end of the show at 10 o'clock. And hopefully Mr. Martin or maybe Melanie will be there. I'm going to demand answers. Someone in chat saying uh, it takes a lot of time counting all the cash he steals, referring to the 11-hour day. <laughs> maybe it takes a lot of time to go through all the data they steal off the laptop or to uh, to monitor all the different laptops that they put spyware on. You know, it's hard work. Uh, someone asking chat, are you going to play in the World Series? Referring to the World Series 2014. I did say that perhaps I'm quitting the World Series after my uh, emotional meltdown that occurred. Uh, not a voluntary emotional meltdown, but an involuntary one. Where I, I kind of felt like I was having uh, shock. I've talked about it in a previous show. After I busted out of the main event very, very, very close to the money. With Ace-King versus Aces which definitely wasn't a bad beat. I was, I was a 5% underdog there, but uh, the answer is I don't know. Um, there's actually a second issue that has nothing to do with poker that may prevent me from playing the World Series next year. I'm not going to say what that is, but uh, the, the issue has not... Um, it's not certain yet, but there's also a second issue, a scheduling issue in my life that... Uh, may prevent me from being able to be at the World Series next year. But uh, we'll see. We will see next year. So, let's move on to the next topic about WSOP.com. They have opened for real money as of yesterday. They are the second real money online poker site in the U.S. that's legal. The other one being Ultimate Poker. Those are the only two sites you can play on right now in the U.S. where you can play poker for real money legally. There is no other site in the U.S. you can do that right now. There will be others, both in Nevada and New Jersey. Right now, these two are only in Nevada. Right now, you have to be physically standing in Nevada to play on either of these sites. doesn't matter if you live in Nevada, but you have to be physically standing in Nevada to play on either WSOP.com or UltimatePoker.com. Now, Ultimate Poker has been up since April 30th. So they've been around a while. They've been around uh, four and a half months. They've had a lot of problems, which have been uh, documented on this show over those four and a half months. Ultimate Poker sprung up, really, without most people's knowledge. Everyone was expecting the South Point to put up a site first, or... Even the Stratosphere talked about it. WSOP.com was in everyone's minds. But no one thought about Ultimate Poker. No one even knew about Ultimate Poker. No one had any idea Ultimate Poker was coming. It just appeared. They just popped up there and said, guess what, Uh, tomorrow we're launching. And there they were. And people were like, what? How did this happen? Well, they've had a lot of problems. A lot of problems, especially with their software. 
And I have been one of their vocal critics, not the same way that I've been a critic about uh, sites like Full Tilt or UB. I never felt that Ultimate Poker was stealing from anyone or that they were dishonest, but just that I, I felt that they weren't doing things right. And I felt that uh, if they didn't get their act together, that when WSOP.com went up, which is, of course, the dominant brand and has much deeper pockets for marketing and for development, etc., that it's going to be very hard to compete with them unless they have a mature and good product of their own already. So I ended up in a public discussion with uh, a few meaningful employees at Ultimate Poker. When I say meaningful, I don't mean to support people who don't have any power. I mean people who actually do have influence and power within the company. So I, I had a public conversation with them, and then the conversation went private. And they let me in on a lot of things. And I'll share some of those things. I can't share a lot of them because they were told to me in confidence, and I'm not going to break anyone's trust. But I will tell you what I can about what I learned from my conversations with Ultimate Poker. But first, let me talk about WSOP.com. So they opened up for real money on September 17th. They were supposed to open on September 19th at 9.19 a.m. The reason for 9.19 a.m. is because September 19th is 9.19. So you were gonna, they were going to open up at 9.19 on 9.19. However, they opened up two days early and allowed the people in who had pre-registered at the World Series of Poker. Because at the World Series of Poker this year, you were able to pre-register an account live and in person. You couldn't do it online. You had to actually go there live and register an account. I did it. And if you're one of those people, you can actually play now on there for real money. Eric Ryland, who's been on this show a number of times in uh, recent months, he did that. And he has already been playing on there. He was also a very active player on Ultimate Poker. Now, WSOP.com, if you did not pre-register, you can actually register there starting tomorrow at 9.19 a.m. and play for real money if you're in the state of Nevada. I believe they identify you the same way through your cell phones, uh, the cell phone tower, where basically your cell phone is constantly communicating with the towers that serve its phone calls. So they have a way, once you agree to let them do this, to look at the tower your cell phone is communicating with, and if that tower is in Nevada, then they assume you are in Nevada, and if that tower is not in Nevada, then you're not in Nevada, according to them. So that that's a pretty hard thing to game, because uh, while you can get your cell phone to fake its location, as far as its GPS coordinates, uh, the cell phone tower is pretty hard to fake, because you're only communicating with that tower if you're in the range of that tower. So they use that, and they're also using your IP address to try to uh, use as a second way to determine if you're in Nevada. Though I'm hearing there's already some problems, like uh, one of our members, Circuit P, he lives in Las Vegas on Flamingo Road, and it's telling him that his Cox cable IP address, which is a very standard uh, internet service in Las Vegas, is a California address. So it's not letting him play. So they already have some problems at WSOP.com, which is to be expected. Uh, apparently the deposit limits are higher there We'll talk to Ryland about that when we get a hold of him We're going to call him very shortly My opinion Before I put Ryland on here Is that I think people are expecting too much I think people were frustrated with Ultimate Poker And its various fails over the last Four and a half months And they were expecting that WSOP.com being a much bigger brand Having probably more, much more money To spend on development Um 
having waited a lot longer so they could watch the mistakes Ultimate Poker would make, make being first to market and then not repeat those mistakes, that WSOP.com would just show up and everything would be smooth and perfect or close to it. But before you think that, think of the World Series itself, the brick-and-mortar World Series of Poker we have every year at the Rio in Las Vegas. Would you say that one runs smoothly and perfectly? Would you say that there are no stupid or boneheaded mistakes occurring at the World Series? Would you say that they learn quickly from their mistakes at the World Series and correct things for the next year? I would say the answer to all of that is no. And while they have improved some things, they have fixed some mistakes that they shouldn't have made in the first place, by the way, over the years, there are some mistakes that keep recurring year after year, and even new mistakes they introduce every year at the World Series that just leave you wondering how the hell this is happening. Now, it's not just the World Series. Caesars itself, while they're very good at marketing, and that's why the World Series comes up with such huge numbers every year, because they marketed that very well. They continue to market it very well. But, you know, Caesars is great at marketing, but they're terrible with operations. It's always been this way. In fact, Caesars, even before they combined with Harrah's, was known for that. Caesars just has never been good with operations. And I'm afraid that since this seems to extend into everything they do, that this will extend to WSOP.com. I have no concrete evidence of this yet, because I have not played on there yet, but I can tell you that if it's anything like World Series itself, or anything like the rest of Caesars' operations, they're going to have problems. Now, what about Ultimate Poker? Do they have problems? Yes, they have a lot of problems. I've talked about them on this show. I stand by everything I said on previous shows about Ultimate Poker. I'm taking nothing back. But I'll say this. Since I got to speak to meaningful employees at Ultimate Poker who have a lot of visibility, or sometimes more than visibility, sometimes they've been the ones actually working on it. Since I've gotten to speak to them, I had previously believed that the problems at Ultimate Poker were due to them being out of touch, just having no idea what they're doing, just having no idea what they need to do, having no idea what the community wants. And I was wrong about that. I now know for certain that they are not out of touch and that they know what people want. It's just a matter of getting it done. Now, that's not an excuse. The bottom line is when you open a poker site, it either works well or it doesn't. And if it does not work well, then you don't want to be there. And if it does work well, then that's where you want to be. So you don't care about the internal reasons for why a site is a failure or the internal reason for why a site is good. You just care, does the site work well? Do I like being here? Is it smooth to play on here? Yes, then this is where I want to play. Is this site messing everything up? Yes, then this is where I don't want to play. And that's what players think, and that's exactly how I think as a player. I don't want to hear excuses. But I'll tell you this. Ultimate Poker, their problem right now is manpower. That they just... uh, They're trying to get enough people, good people working for them, to implement everything that they know they need to implement. Which is actually good because they know they need to implement it. It's not good they don't have enough people to implement it right now, but it's it's good that they know what they need to do. It's good that they're not out of touch. It's good that they're not dismissing what people are complaining about. And that's what I had first thought. I never thought they were bad people over there. I just thought... They're just dismissive, they're, they're out of touch, they don't know what people want, they're, 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 uh, 
Um, you know, there's important things they keep ignoring. It's not that. And if they can get their act together with all these things, then they can be a very legitimate second option. They will never be as big as WSOP.com. They will be the second option, much like we had a lot of second options and third options and fourth options prior to the UIGEA especially. Prior to October 2006, there were all kinds of small sites you could play on where you actually had a better chance to make money than you would on the large sites like PokerStars and Full Tilt. Why? Because if the good players are not there, then sometimes it's a big advantage even if the site itself is not as active or if the software isn't quite as good. Also, you just always want a second option. It will be a disaster if WSOP.com crushes everyone and they end up the only game in town. You don't want them to have a monopoly. You don't ever want any company to have a monopoly. It's never good for the consumer. Never good for the poker player. You always want competition, even if the competition is not as strong. Even if uh, Ultimate Poker can never market as well as WSOP.com. Even if they will never have the name recognition. Even if they will never have as big of a player base. You always want the competition. If there's no competition, the rake will be higher. So, you always want there to be competition. So, now that I have heard from Ultimate Poker what's going on there, I actually hope that they can get their act together and succeed. I will tell you now, I agree that the current state of Ultimate Poker needs improvement. Like I said in the past, it needs improvement if it stays the way it currently is, it's going to be in trouble. And they know that too. So I hope they can make this improvement happen. Because there really does need to be an alternative to WSOP.com. And it seems like Ultimate Poker, they have some good ideas. They know what they need to do. They're not out to lunch like I thought they were. They need, just need to get it done. And if they can get it done, then uh, I think we'll have a, a decent second option to WSOP.com, which is very important. It's very important for WSOP.com to always feel that pressure that they, they can't just say, F you, we're the only game in town, we'll do what the hell we want. That's what they do to some degree with the World Series itself. That's why they do a lot of things that we may think are stupid or offensive, but they say, hey, you don't have a choice. We're the World Series. We don't care if you boycott us. We get thousands of people for every tournament. We don't care. If 10 of you leave. So instead of 6,000 people for this tournament, we'll get 5,990. Boo-hoo. And they know it. There is really no series anywhere in the world that competes with the WSOP. In size. In, in uh, prestige. Just Everybody gets excited when the World Series comes. That's where everyone wants to be. That's what gets by far the most players. That's what gets by far the most coverage. Nothing comes close. So, um, this is interesting. It's a guy in chat named Vintage One. He said he worked for UB and Joe Seabach for a while. I have stories. I'd love to hear those stories. Definitely love hearing insider stories. Now, uh, we are going to call Rylan for an outsider story. See if he answers his Skype. 
Ryland, I'm glad he wants to talk on Skype because before he PM'd me a prepaid cell phone number and says it has 10 minutes on it, it's asking me if I want to leave a video message for Ryland. Why would I want to leave a video message for Ryland? Am I supposed to show Ryland my penis or something and say, call me back? Like, why would I leave a video message for him? He doesn't want to see me. What the hell's going on here? And he's saying, yo, I'm here. Well, then answer. Send a video message to him. Sometimes I feel like I'm on the Jetsons. Calling people on the video phone. I remember when I saw that as a kid, I thought, oh, this is cool. I go, wait a minute. Maybe not. Like, even as a kid, I thought, maybe you don't always want to see the person you're calling. Like, like what if I answer the phone in my underwear here? Would Rylan want to see me? I don't think so. Maybe you don't always want to see the person you're calling. Turn off the radio here. What if I answer the phone in my underwear Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. All right, it's good. All right, yeah. So I was going to go deposit on WSLP, or move money off of... Ultimate Poker, but their fucking cash out dealio is not where or their deposit thing is not working right now. So and you're saying you're, you're saying you can't deposit to WSP.com right now. There's a maximum of five hundred bucks and they they just confirmed it in the thread I was about to leave, you know? What so wait a minute. So, there, I, so before it said thirty thousand maximum and now it's actually five hundred? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty big reduction well, there. Well, it's it's just for uh they're gonna. They, he just said that they're gonna announce um, the fix tomorrow or tonight, hopefully. So I don't know. Well, this Who is knows? exactly what I meant then, because like, how how does that mistake occur? Like, I I know for a fact that WSOP.com is not hurting for developers. They're not they're not short on people working on this. Like, how do they let something that obvious occur, where they launch and they have not tested that you can make a deposit over five hundred bucks? Like, that's crazy. I know. So it, it was. It was like a matter of um, a lot of us, a lot of people that reg, regs that I talk to now. Like, you know, first we tried 5K, then we tried 1K, then we tried 500, and it works. So anything 500 below, and all debit card and credit card transactions are not working for anyone I've talked to. But then one person said that they got a card to work, so it's like, what the hell? So, so you what... deposited through uh, eCheck? Yeah, eCheck is working for most people up to. Five hundred. Are they really going to let you do an e check for thirty thousand? Because what stops people from uh, doing like an e check that they can't cover for that amount of money and just screwing them? I mean, I know they can go to jail, but what about like a never keep type who doesn't care? I know I couldn't believe it. You saw I posted the screenshot, yeah. though, so anybody can go and look at that. So maybe, I don't maybe know. That's a mistake, it's though. so true, though. I, I just know, can't see them cover... letting, like how can they let any schlub go on there and deposit thirty thousand that they may or may not have. God, man, you know, back in Full Tilt, that was a big part of Full Tilt's demise. Yes. People (laughs) fucking bouncing e-checks. You know how many friends of mine? It was like wildfire. Like, my whole town was doing that shit. Oh, well, you know, Neverwin himself, the the namesake of Neverwin Poker, rolled them for like 80K, I think, of of bad e-checks. Yeah. I mean, sure, that was offshore, and they're all like, you know, the Poker Stars Police doesn't exist, but this, you're right, they might... uh, you get some serious shit if you do that with the, with yeah. Uh, like I'm not suggesting this. Obviously, this is a, a felony in Nevada, and you don't want to do that. And they probably will come after you. But still, you know there will be people who are yeah. such degenerate gamblers that, like, for thirty thousand, they're like, "Hey, I'm going to deposit thirty thousand. I don't have. If, well, if, I, if I run it up, then then no problem. Then somehow I'll, I'll get the money in the bank. Somehow I'll trade money or whatever. And if I don't <laughs> run it up, then uh, oh well, I'll just run and they'll never get me." 
Well, in Vegas, how does that work with like in person with physical checks? Is it the same way or not even close? Do they have verification things that way, or is it is it kind of the same or no? With a physical check in person at the casino, they have limits. That? I mean, you can't just show up uh, as a random there and, and present them a, che- a personal check for thirty k and have them cash it. So okay, so I, I maybe they have a connection with the banks to where they can verify that the funds are there. Uh, at least that would put one roadblock, though you could technically have the funds there and then quickly go withdraw them and then roll them that way. But at least there you have to have the money in the first place, which... uh, Right, yeah. Well, now I found another reason I have to go to a casino today is to sign up for the total rewards dealio at one of the casinos. I don't know which... Oh, you don't have a total rewards card? Um, I I don't have one yet, but they just posted now replying to my uh, question about the... I, we got we both two of us asked about the total rewards and how that's going to work, right? And he said that uh, you got to have a total rewards number, so that means I have to go sign up. I imagine, so I'm right, just going to yeah, go do, do that. And and, uh, um, and something, yeah, you can earn seven star status if you play enough on there. Is that correct? Yeah, yep. And there's also something else I found when I researched this. I'll send you a link on Skype. If you sign up for their Visa debit card, um. You automatically are you automatically get uh, platinum tier status right out right there that Interesting. day. Now that won't help me because I'm a seven star right now. But for but for people who are not um, platinum status here, the way it works at Caesar's Corporation with their uh, status is you start off as gold when you get a card, and then uh, the next level up is platinum, then diamond, then seven star. So there's four levels. And you know, platinum's not going to get you a whole lot, but it's better than nothing. You you get some priority in in lines when you're there. Um, you get other various little perks with platinum that you don't otherwise. I mean, you might as well get it if it's free. Right, and I mean, I'm going to be living here anyway for for the near future. So like, every, every, everything I use that debit card with, I get points and shit towards um, status and rewards and. And I'm also I, I get a start at platinum, so I mean that's going to save me. Who, who knows how well, much? Well, I don't know if they really start you. They may not start you at any tiers, though. They may actually start you at zero, but just give you platinum status. Like I'll give you an example. When I won my bracelet, they gave me a diamond card. I was I was a, a diamond. I think they took it away from me eventually, but uh, uh, for for a few <laughs> years I had diamond without ever having to play there. So I was like a diamond in name only. So they never sent me any offers. All the typical stuff a diamond gets. I did not get, but I did have access to anything that a diamond can do just from having a diamond card. I could go in the diamond lounges, I could stand in the diamond lines, whatever. So it wasn't useless, but it's. Uh, but I didn't start at like whatever the tiers for the diamond was. I still started at zero if I wanted to get above diamond. Right, so. and they. I mean, they said that they're going to tie it to your total reward. So I imagine that you don't have to start over um, if you play on. No, you don't. No, you don't have to start over yet. They will tie it to your total rewards, and that is interesting for people like like. For example, I have enough credits now to be what's called a high diamond for next year. I'm a seven stars for this year, for no matter what I do. But starting April 1st of 2014, I'm going to fall down to what they call a high diamond unless I earn like 70k more tier credits, which isn't easy to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I was pretty much going to write that off and just stay a high diamond for that year. But now that they have this, maybe I'll have to see what the requirements are, but maybe I will use this to get my other 70K. Now, I think I'd have to do it before December 31st, so I don't have that much time. Uh, they may make it very difficult. They may make it to where you have to play just a shitload of hands to really earn anything meaningful as far as, like, Diamond or especially Seven Stars. Yeah, but, well, shit, if you're already 
cranberry chip on Ultimate Poker. That might not be too hard for you. <laughs> for yeah, no, I went poker. I went nuts a few days, just played just an insane amount on there. But um, the it is good that you can reach seven stars through the site because this is now the first way you can reach seven stars without having to play casino games. And um, before the trick was to either find casino games that have some kind of flaw where you can be positive expectation or very close to it, or just to play very low negative expectation games and figure that the seven-star benefits will be worth more than what you will be expected to lose. But to be able to just play poker and, and, and win if you're good uh, and then get seven-star that way is great. So that hopefully they don't make it too difficult, but I think they're going to make it pretty hard because they're going to want to... They really want to collect a lot of rake to justify all the benefits they're giving you, which which are usually worth in the... Low-five figure range, I, I depending on how you use them. Right. I mean, it's. I have my hopes up because I'm a five ten player now. So I mean, who knows? Maybe over a year, I could for sure get it. You know. But um, one more one question for you. It says with the rewards visa that would boost your starting tier. It says you get ten thousand reward credits. Is that a lot or no? That is a hundred dollars. Oh God, that's nothing. <laughs> no, that's not that much. Every reward credit is a penny. And that's not – just like on stars, you have to think of it as like on poker stars. On poker stars, there was VPPs and FPPs. FPPs were points you could spend on things, and VPPs were points that would determine what your status was, whether you're bronze or gold or supernova or whatever. Same thing with Caesars. There's RCs, reward credits, which are just points you can spend. And then there's tier credits, which, which determine what you can uh, – what you actually – your status is. And you usually don't get tier credits for nothing. They don't give you bonus tier credits typically, except in the case where you're uh, playing a certain amount per day, where if you reach such and such tier credits per day, then they give you bonus. And I also wonder if they're going to tie that in with the poker. So, like, let's say you can earn 2,500 tier credits in a day playing poker. I can't see how you could. That's a lot. But let's say you could. Would they give you the same 5,000 bonus tier credits that they give for a video poker player who does that? So I don't know. Um. So, by the way, a bad guy twenty three is trying to call in, but uh, I'm I, I don't want to have this conversation interrupted. So we'll call, we'll take his call after this. So oh, I gotta I gotta re- I gotta touch on that Gary Loveman real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. So you uh, saw someone playing there, or or at least in the chat, named okay. Gary Loveman. Well, first people are giving me shit because they didn't think I was like on there before anybody else, but I was looking monitoring that shit, you know, all day, and. Gary Levin was like the only dude sitting. And then, uh, you know, then two other people got on there somehow and they were playing. So there's like three people playing at five ten cent. And I'm like, well, shit, there's got to be some way. Let me, like, I had the Play Money client. So I figured, well, maybe I have to re download it. And I went to the download page and it, it didn't do anything. Like, like, it didn't pop up. So then I went, uh, just browsed around the site, and I went to the tournament schedule. On the bottom of there, there's a download button, and if you download with that link, you could ju- it just switches you over to the real money client. So then I posted that on two plus two, and within like 15 minutes, you know, there was like 15 more people on there. So that was because of me. We got more people on there to but, try it. But what out, about you know? Gary Loveman? Though? Like, like, was that really him? Because he said something strange on there to you. He well, said, right, like, right. He well, said, like, how do you well, like I, my I, site? And who, who would ever I, say that as a CEO? I, I agree. I, 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 at first, I was like, okay, well, then it's not him because he said that. I'm not that big of a moron, Jeff. You know, like, come <laughs> on. And, like, that's what somebody would say if they were not Gary Loveman. That's basically saying, hey, I'm not really Gary Loveman. Yes. But like, then I'm like, then I, then I Googled him. Well, first I'm like, well, 
give me a shout out on Twitter, man. And he go, and he instantly replied not on Twitter. Like, wait, wait, he, he gave you a shout on Twitter? No, no, I asked him to, and then he instantly replied, "I'm not on Twitter. I don't do Twitter." Well, but that's that's what you have to say. Like, like, what else are you gonna say? Like, you can right. Well, then I asked him about. Uh, I googled him real quick, and I asked him a question about his college or whatever. Instantly threw it out there, and then it, like he wasn't re- responding to my other troll questions, you know. But then he's like, before he left, he's like, "Okay, guys, gonna go make sure to leave some feedback for us." And I'm like, "Well, that's why would." You, like, I don't know. It kind of seemed legit, but either way, I mean, I could see how he could be on there, but it's not that big of a deal anyway. I mean, it's... <laughs> it would be funny if CEO Gary Loveman's on there saying, how do you like my site, as if he owns it? Like, <laughs> like, 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 what CEO would ever say that of a large corporation? He would say, you know, how, how do you like our site? How, how do you like WSOP.com? How do you like my site? Like, that's totally yeah. like what a, a 15-year-old kid pretending to be Gary Loveman would say. But it would be funny if that's really him. I mean... To to add some insult to injury to ultimate poker, it's so funny because, like, that's all that's being talked about in the chat is how bad ultimate poker is. Like, all the fish are just complaining about ultimate poker. They're like, God, this is the greatest. Uh, like, that's all they're chatting about. Well, and as, then, as I said, ultimate poker has some work to do, and you know that better than anyone being a very frequent right. player on there. I mean, and uh, and, God, they have. They even have auto rebuy, man. You know how that's like so huge for me. Like it's such a headache without auto rebuy. Yeah. So and, and ultimate great. poker, the, it, it, it's an uphill battle for them because Caesars has a ton of money that they sunk into this WSOP.com and a ton of developers, and then so they they had a lot of, and they had a four and a half month uh, window where they could work without having to worry about uh, actually operating. And uh, so, so this is really like a David and Goliath thing. You, you really have the, the small operation, the, the small upstart trying to be able to compete yeah. with a very large uh, site that's, that's with deep pockets. And I actually have uh, Scotty now, the Ultimate Poker. Uh, he's pretty high up on the ladder for Ultimate Poker. I got him on Skype now just for, like, just for random questions I have and shit because I play so much. And... Uh, Scotty's like, oh, I hope you enjoy the the outrageous rake on WSOP, and uh, it turns out everybody else saw that too. But they actually mi- WSOP mixed up their rake. They listed their rake like higher than it actually was on all their games on their website. Yeah. Um, so they addressed that today as well, and they're going to change that. Um, but this I mean, is what I mean. How, like how they're, they're already making as, they're already making boneheaded mix, mistakes there. Yeah, how could you mix mix that up? Like telling people you're raking higher than you actually are because it's Caesars. Well, no, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's actually the same as Ultimate Poker. Um, so, and then uh, you can only play up to six tables at a time though on WSLP, which a lot of people are already bitching about. But. I mean, I play like all the sites at the same time anyway, and I just pick the best games, so it's really not that yeah. big of a deal to me. But I think Ultimate Poker, if they lowered the rake, would uh, already get some props from people. And not only would it be good for them, I think it would be good for the industry, because maybe WSOP.com would lower it. The rake, in general, is too high. Remember that guy who ran for president of the, uh, the rake, the, the rent is too damn high party? Uh, this... I want to start a party called The Rake is Too Damn High for online poker, because it is. Uh, They're basing the rake for online poker on live brick-and-mortar poker, and they have their expenses are so much lower 
And this just was accepted over the years because people are like, well, this is what I pay in rake when I go play live, so yeah, it makes sense. But <laughs> but that's why they made so much money at these sites, provided they didn't steal it or, or, or waste it. And there is a lot of room where these sites can lower their rake and still make a lot of money. There's a lot of room for error here, a lot of room for competition. It's not like they're operating on such a small margin that if they lower their rake, then they lose money. So I think Ultimate Poker would be smart to lower their rake, make that public, and um, you know I, I've even said this about brick brick and mortar rooms. I remember when the Hustler Casino was trying to steal some of Commerce's action of the Limit Hold'em games that were forty, eighty, and above. So they tried to get a fifty-one hundred started at Hustler, and I played in it a few times. Well, mm-hmm. the rake was terrible, and at the time. Um, Commerce was uh, Not taking a rake every hand They were taking a time charge for 4080 Now they take a rake every hand and it's terrible But uh, um, They were taking a time charge And You know they're charging a rake At uh, At Hustler So I was saying to them you've got to go to a time charge And they said no we can't do that no, we don't want to do that. I said, well, you're never going to get the game going here then. No one's going to come over here, the less established company, the less established game, and pay more rake than at Commerce where the established games are. No, no, we can't do that. Well, the, what happened, the game lasted like a week and died. But if they made the rake really low, or even an introductory rake that was super low, that could have gotten people in the habit of going down there. But they wouldn't do it. But I think that's what Ultimate Poker needs to do, is they need to lower their rake and push that and say, hey, do you want to pay more rake on WSOP.com or pay less rake over here? And, and show an example. You play the, you, you play this many hands, this is how much money you'll save. So, that's what I would do if I was uh, in charge there. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I'm going to run down to the casino and get this rewards card and all that all right. bullshit. So. Very good. Thank you all for right. the update, Ryland. Good chat, man. Thank Talk you. Bye. Eric Ryland, the, uh, shouldn't say the man on the street, but the, the man on the, uh, Legalized Nevada sites giving us insight, and the, the man on the streets of Laughlin as well, when he goes down there to have sex with married women. Um, question in the chat: Is there rake back? I don't know. Uh, on Ultimate Poker, there is—I wouldn't say rake back, but you earn points that you, then you can redeem for prizes. You know, very similar to what was on Poker Stars, but not as good. And uh, that could be considered rake back, but you have to earn a lot of points before you really can do that. Not a whole lot, but you can't really like just show up off the bat and get rake back there. Uh, you have to really reach the cranberry level, which is like the eighth level, and it takes a good deal of play to do it. And if you play very actively, you can do it in you know, a few days, but you really need to get there before you get any kind of rake back. And even then, still, you're not getting that much. So I, I would I don't see the point of rake back. I always thought that was stupid. Because why not just lower the rake? I guess, you know, give some rewards to people who play a whole lot, and that's kind of what they're going for in Ultimate Poker. But they they should just lower the rake and, and forget rake back. Rake back, by the way, only came to exist because of the affiliate model. For those of you who wonder. What happened was there used to be no rake back. In the beginning of online poker for several years Then what happened I think Party Poker started this To where if you advertised for them And people signed up to Party Poker Through you Through your affiliate code You would get 
a good percentage of their rake. That was the incentive for you to recruit people to party poker. So then some smart people realized, instead of taking this large percentage for themselves, because there became a lot of competition for that, they started to attract players by saying, hey, I'll give you back most of the commission I get. And that was called rakeback. And that's how it started. And then it became standard in the industry. Uh, Don Crusher saying, looks like Phil Helmuth will not be sponsoring the World Series of Poker site. WSOP.com is uh, going to try to market it without sponsored pros. Also, Deal in the chat is entering and exiting over and over and over. I don't think he's doing it on purpose, but uh, if he really is doing it on purpose, I will have to temporarily ban him from the chat because he's making it unusable, even if it's just his computer doing it. Yeah, he's, he's he's entered the chat and exited like about a uh, hundred times now. So I I think we're gonna have to temporarily ban him and unban him when we find out what's going on. Not from the site, but just from the from the chat <laughs> because he he was making it unusable and it's not happening to anyone else, which makes me think it's not the chat's fault. I don't know. Maybe he went on tilt. Maybe he didn't like something I said. It's not like him though. He doesn't he sometimes trolls me, but he's never like tilting like that. Anyway. So that's the story with the real money online poker sites and WSOP.com. Wanna talk about uh what happened was a little bit of an update in that criminal case against various poker players who worked for the Russian mob in a sports betting capacity. I'm talking about players like uh, Justin Boosted J. Smith, Abe Mosseri, Peter Nordberg Feldman, Bill Edler, and, and a few others. Uh, they were petitioning to be able to play poker during this time while they're, they're awaiting uh, trial and sentencing. Uh, Justin Boosted J. Smith actually pled guilty but uh, he won't actually be formally sentenced until January. Here is what was written by ABC News about the matter. This is an article that came out four days ago. While out on bail in an international illegal gambling case, Abe Mosseri went to a federal judge with an unusual request. He wanted to go to Las Vegas to play poker. The judge allowed it, accepting Masseri's argument that he's a professional poker player who should be allowed to earn his living until the chips in court fall where they may. Masseri is among a handful of pro poker players facing similar charges who have won the same freedom, a largely overlooked twist to a sprawling case alleging that two Russian-American organized crime enterprises laundered $100 million from illegal online sports betting. Lawyers for the poker players have come to court to argue, with little or no resistance from prosecutors, that their clients have a legitimate need to regularly travel to casinos in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and elsewhere. And here's the quote from uh, Abe Mosseri's defense lawyer. This is not Mr. Mosseri's desire to get some hot weather in Vegas. He just wants to engage in his livelihood, which is a legal activity which he has done for many, many years. Even when another well-known player, Justin Boosted J. Smith, pleaded guilty last month and agreed to forfeit $500,000, U.S. District Judge Jesse Furman afterward ruled Smith could pursue his card player career until he is sentenced in January. So, so Smith, uh, Justin Smith here, not the Justin Smith who cheated people, but the uh, the high-stakes poker player Justin Smith, Boosted J., 
He apparently agreed to forfeit half a million dollars as part of his guilty plea for being involved in the sports betting ring. And this obviously shows he was really guilty. Nobody agrees they give up 500k for something they didn't do. Uh, but they even said he could travel around to play poker where he needs to play. So I guess they've determined these guys probably aren't a flight risk and uh, they'll let them travel around to specific areas where poker exists live. And that's fine. I think that's all right. Some people have said, oh, this is an attack against poker. Why are you busting people who uh, are just uh, helping run an underground poker rooms like in New York? That's not what happened here. This is a sports betting thing. The government hates illegal sports betting. They bust illegal sports betting operations all the time. That's what happened here. These guys chose voluntarily to get involved in the lucrative but very risky illegal sports betting world. Justin Smith, Bill Edler, Peter Feldman, Abe Masseri, Edward Ting, whoever. They knowingly decided, hey, I'm going to make a lot of extra money taking sports bets, probably from other poker players, and funneling it through this, this Russian mob. I don't think these guys did anything violent. I don't think they did anything that bad. But they knowingly got involved in an industry that will make you a lot of money, but also will put you in prison if you're caught. Similar, but not as bad as dealing drugs. Where whether you say it should be legal or not legal, right now it's illegal. Right now a lot of people are not doing it, despite the money they can make, because they know that it's illegal and they can go to prison for it. If you take that chance and do it anyway and you go to prison, you can't complain. Not that these guys are really complaining, but I'm just I'm saying you can't really feel sorry for them. The fact that Boosted J made so much money that that he gave a 500k, which I assume is what they uh believe to be his profit in being involved here plus some fine. I don't know how they calculated it. But that shows you that there's a lot of money to be made in this. And they weren't the major figures in this. Uh, there were some other people caught up in this who were more famous than these poker players who were busted. Not famous in poker, but uh, Hillel Namad, who's a, uh, a wealthy art world person, and Molly Bloom, who um, she has to do with poker, but not in the poker that we really know very well. She would actually arrange home games that you'd have to be a celebrity to get into. She was known as the poker hostess of the stars. She was like in her 30s. Pretty girl. I don't know how she got into this whole thing, but she was making a lot of money arranging these home games, which are also typically illegal if they're collecting any kind of rake, which they usually are. But uh, no one really busts those with any kind of real frequency. They get busted here and there, but there's not a, a major attempt to bust those. But Molly Bloom apparently is involved in something here with the sports betting ring. So, that drew a lot of attention. So, to show you how out to lunch ABC News is in this article, though, they wrote, Masseri Smith and other pros come from a world where the most successful players can potentially win millions of dollars playing Texas Hold'em, okay, and seven-card stud at the World Series? How do you win millions of dollars playing seven-card stud at the World Series? I'd like to see that happen. 
but whatever. This is uh, sent to me from our chat room. Remember, you can interact with me in the chat room during the show if you don't want to call in. This is an article from PokerFuse.com. It carries a lot of good news stories about poker. Operation Zombie grabs Argentine hacker who stole 50k a month from online gaming and money transfers. The 19-year-old son of an IT engineer is estimated to have stolen $600,000 using a malware virus and denial-of-service attacks. Maybe that's the guy who was denial-of-servicing this site. No, it was actually coming from uh, Chico, California. In Argentina, police have arrested a 19-year-old hacker who had been stealing an estimated 50 k a month from victims active in online poker and money transfers. To preserve computer evidence, comp- police shut off power to an entire neighborhood while they make their, made their arrest. Wow. So they shut off the entire neighborhood's power so this guy couldn't delete things if he thought the police were coming to get him. That doesn't really work if the person has a laptop. What do they do about that? You can keep using their laptop without internet if you have no power. As a first step, the hacker used a malware virus that was transferred to users downloaded gambling software. The youth then used denial-of-service attacks to prevent the user from accessing their accounts while he was stealing their money. Interesting. Now, I don't know how they were downloading the, quote, gambling software. Uh, It makes sense that uh, once he would get their accounts and would be stealing their money, then he would slam them with denial-of-service attacks where they uh, they couldn't access anything on the internet, and then he'd steal their money at the same time. That part makes sense, but I don't understand why they would be downloading uh, gambling software. Like, where are they getting it? Usually when people put on these keyloggers, which I assume is probably what he was doing, they trick the person through some kind of personal contact, like you, uh, you're you talking to someone in AIM and say, you, know, that you, you don't have to know him that well, but someone you know through instant messenger and say, hey, you know, you want to see a picture of the hot chick I just banged last night? Oh, okay, sure. And then you send the person what's actually installing malware or spyware or keyloggers on their computer, and they think they're clicking on a, a picture to see a hot chick, and then when it doesn't work and no picture comes up, you just go, oh, sorry, the picture must be corrupt. Sorry, I'll, I'll send it to you tomorrow. And the person doesn't even think anything of it. Like, that, that's the typical way this has been done. So I don't know, how did he get them to download gambling software that he snuck a virus into. Why were they downloading it from him? Oh, I see. It's the next paragraph. <laughs> In a statement from the Security Ministry, Chief Prosecutor Graciela Carbo said internet users were victim of a malware virus that the hacker hosted in a server for downloading online gaming applications. So maybe it was applications like I don't know stuff to analyze your hand histories or whatever. The denial of service attack was mounted using a network of thousands of zombie computers to saturate the payments platform. So basically he would... Uh, a, a distributed denial of service attack is different than a denial of service attack. A denial of service attack just means you use your own internet connection to hammer someone else's connection and slow them down. But a distributed denial of service is much harder to stop, and that's where you take control of a lot of other computers that aren't in on this, but you take control of them through the same malware and then force those computers to also attack whoever you want. And that's very hard to fight against. The unnamed hacker is the son of an information systems engineer. He was detained at his father's home in Buenos Aires. Police raids were also carried out in six other locations in the city, and also in Rosario, a town 200 miles north of the capital. Six other people were arrested as a part of the operation, so I guess it wasn't just this kid on his own. Argentine police have not released the hacker's name or any details about the gaming companies affected by his actions. 
In total, the police estimate 600k was stolen. There have been numerous reports of Skrill accounts. Skrill is kind of like uh, today's version of NetTeller. The NetTeller still exists, but it's a, a, a payment processor that you can use to put money on and off sites uh, if you're not American. Uh, numerous reports of Skrill accounts being compromised this year. Victims report that their accounts were accessed with password resets and their email boxes flooded with thousands of emails to camouflage legitimate emails from the payment processor. Skrill has, deni- has responded in detail and it is admitted that the number of daily attacks has grown dramatically in the last year. This doesn't seem to be related, but they're talking about how um, people would reset passwords and then would uh, flood their email box to where they couldn't tell if the password reset requests were real or fake. And I guess the person would respond to them. Well, it's not exactly uh, detailed here, but... Uh, always attempts to steal money online from people, and there's not much you can do when it happens. At least, finally, someone got arrested. So, um, I want to talk about the story with iOvation. This is the Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. I mentioned it last night. I got a tip-off from Jack Bates, who was a former Ultimate Bet programmer going way, way back to the old days of UB. He was not an employee of theirs for quite some time. He had nothing to do with the cheating, as far as we can tell. He has been cooperative with people, with uh, telling us what he knows. Uh, Jack Bates recently got information from a contact of his that Iovation is attempting to get licensed in Nevada. Now, if you remember, Ultimate Poker, for a short time, accidentally was using iOvation, not directly, but through a third-party company that was using iOvation to to verify certain things uh, regarding players' identities. Of course, the players got very mad when this was found out, and eventually Ultimate Poker removed it. But uh, it shows that iOvation wants in to this Nevada online poker industry. The legalized online poker industry. And iOvation, this is what they do. They verify identities. They, they keep a blacklist of people who are known to roll e-checks or do other bad things like that. Uh, I know a lot of porn sites use them, so people can't cheat porn sites. So iOvation, even though it was founded probably with dirty money, and the CEO, Greg Pearson, is definitely a dirty guy, and we heard him talking about covering up the UB cheating, uh, to Russ Hamilton on those tapes on another show where I play those tapes. He is the CEO of iOvation despite that. And the iOvation money, seed money, may have been raised in the first place, uh, or at least the money to really expand the company may have been raised in the first place by cheating people on UB, like when they went public. Um, iOvation is now trying to get licensed in Nevada. iOvation is trying to be able to do ID verification for these Nevada online poker rooms. We can't let that happen. We can't let anyone associated with the UB scandal be involved with the new legalized online poker world in Nevada. It's crazy. Finally, finally, as these U.S. sites start to become legal and spring up, finally we'll be away from the shady world of people who cheated us 
before it was legal. But no. We have people like Greg Pearson who want to get in on it and are applying for licenses. Now, we don't know for sure, but we're, we're hearing that Iovation is trying to get licensed in Nevada and that they are doing their own investigation now into the UB scandal. Now, are they trying to find out if Greg Pearson really did it? I doubt it. I'm sure what they're doing here, and this is what Jack thinks too, uh, what they're doing here is trying to investigate it in a way to where they can present a report to the Nevada Gaming Commission that looks favorable for people like Pearson and people like John Carl who were associated with UB during the time of the cheating. So rather than letting the Nevada Gaming Commission do their own investigation uh, by itself, they do their own investigation first at Iovation, whitewash anyone who is involved at Iovation and make them look innocent, and then bring the report to the Nevada Gaming Commission saying, we investigated this already, here's what we found, and, and hope they accept it. They have also contacted people who used to work for UB asking for favors, asking for them basically to, uh, you know, if they get contacted as part of this investigation, to say nice things about Greg Pearson. So, people are getting phone calls, according to Jack Bates' source, including from Greg Pearson himself, supposedly, saying, hey, when you get a call about such and such, please say this about me. Please say these good things about me. Please say I'm a good guy, an honest guy, had nothing to do with the cheating, this was all Russ Hamilton, Greg Pearson's innocent, etc., etc., so they're trying as hard as they can to paint a rosy picture of Greg Pearson and Iovation regarding the UB scandal so they can get licensed. We can't let that happen. If a hearing does come up, as far as we know, there's no scheduled hearing right now for the Nevada Gaming Commission, but someone needs to put together a clear and concise report on Greg Pearson's involvement in the UB scandal. And that includes the Russ Hamilton tapes, that includes everything about Pearson that has been found. And what needs to be done is, is kind of like two reports. One is a cliff notes type, because they're not going to want to sift through 100 pages or listen to eight hours of tape. They're not going to do that at the Nevada Gaming Commission. But if you give them a cliff notes of the most important things, if you give them little clips from the Russ Hamilton tape, and then give them a second report that's much more detailed and has the entire tape they can listen to so they can tell the context if they need to. I think that will be perfect. Where they have the overall gist of everything and the most important points and something easy to read and easy to follow, but then can reference the much more detailed material if necessary. That really needs to be submitted to them if Iovation really is trying to get licensed in Nevada. This absolutely has to be prevented. So I'll tell you guys more about that as it occurs. And Jack Bates himself called into last night's show. Unfortunately, we don't have that uh, saved anymore and, and talked about that. So, uh, let's move on to the auto seating script story something I wasn't aware of until now, even though it's been going on since January, but there is a recent development. I'm not just giving you an eight-year-old story because I just found out about it now. Uh, there's a... There's something called auto-seating. Auto-seat scripting. And... I'm trying to get uh, something up here I didn't have before. 
I'm not finding it now. Well, I'll, I'll give you the gist of what he said. Um, Greg Greg Pearson, Greg Merson now, who is a, a former World Series of Poker champ, uh, is actually speaking out against the auto seeding, the auto scripting on uh, two plus two. Let me tell you what auto seed scripting is. Auto seed scripting is a way to always get a seat with the players you want to play against. Think about you're on Poker Stars, you're waiting for certain known fish to sit down, and once they do, you want to quickly sit. You may not want to sit there all day and just play against other really good players. You may want to wait and not sit until you see where the fish sits, and then quickly sit down at that table before everyone else floods into the game. Now before, all you had to do was, what you had to do was you had to sit there and watch. You had to be vigilant, and if you weren't quick, you would end up on a waiting list that was meaningless because the waiting list would only move when the fish would leave. So it was a matter of luck. If you happen to be there when the fish sits and you can grab a seat in time, then you'd be in the game. If not, no. Well, players who were technologically savvy came up with a better way to do this wrote what were called auto-seeding scripts. An auto-seeding script constantly scans PokerStars and other sites for preferred players to sit with, meaning fish. If one of them appears, then the program automatically sits you at the table at a preferred seat, if possible. So uh, what it does is not only does it immediately see when that player appears, much faster than a human could ever see, but also does the right mouse clicking for you to where you're instantly sitting there. Because if you're doing it yourself, you have to move the mouse over to the right spot, then click in the right spot, then click on the sit, then you know, double-click to open the table, then, then uh, click on the seat, then enter your buy-in. There's a process to it that takes a little time. An auto-seating script can do this all in a fraction of a second because it, does, it can move the mouse with precision instantly. It can grab a seat for you instantly because it's a computer making the motions. It's not a human. So that's what the auto-seating scripts do. And basically, if a number of people are running auto-seating scripts, then there's no way you will ever beat those scripts and beat them to the table. So let's say there's a ten-handed table and one fish sits and there are nine people running those scripts. There's no way you will ever get in that game because instantly those nine people will appear and you as a human will be unable to be as quick to get a seat. Now you would think poker stars would be combating this and poker stars, you know, who even pressured sites like poker table ratings to take their uh, their stats off the site of players. You would think poker stars would say, "Oh, this is against our terms of service. This is cheating to get a seat." This is not waiting your turn. This isn't uh, fair to everybody. This is where people who know how to write these scripts or people who know where to download these scripts, they have a huge seating advantage over people who don't. And that's totally unfair. We shouldn't reward the technically savvy with seats in all the good games. You would think this would be totally against the terms of service, or if it wasn't, they would quickly change the terms of service to make this not allowed. And they would ban people who were continuing to do so. But no, this was brought up on January 24th. A petition to stop the auto seating scripts was posted on 2 plus 2 on January 24th, and it is still allowed by PokerStars to do this. 
Why, I don't know. I don't know why PokerStars thinks this is fine. But the petition says, one, auto-seeding scripts are bad for the game. Two, auto-seeding scripts eliminate the equal chance to get into games a player should have, and therefore represent an unfair advantage to people who could and who can obtain or write such a script. The fact that it's bad for the game is reinforced by the fact that this behavior is directly observable by recreational players. There have been many accounts of recreational players noting in chat that they are being chased. So can you imagine a fish sits down and within a second there's nine players with him? He knows something weird is up. He knows that people can't sit that fast normally. So this makes recreational p- players pissed off, makes them realize that they're big fish, makes them realize that they're the, considered the sucker. And that people have actually written programs around them to sit with them the second they appear. And they don't like that and quit. Number four, stars should outlaw these scripts in their terms and conditions and specify harsh penalties for not complying with, complying with the rules. Stars should also dispatch emails to a list of known scripters. In closing, game selection is okay, automated game selection is not. I agree. If you want a game selection, if you only want to play against fish, fine. That's up to you. No one can force you where you should have to play but you should not have a computer seeding you quicker than other humans can seat themselves. Not fair. Imagine if you were in a live card room and people had auto-seeding scripts there. Imagine if they had a device that would pick them up and speed them over to the table at 1,000 miles per hour and somehow not hit anyone and drop them in the seat before you could sit. So, imagine how you'd feel. And you say, hey, I've been here three hours longer than this guy waiting to get in. Nope, doesn't matter. Now, I know this isn't completely equivalent because the auto-seating scripts won't help in a game that has a waiting list already. And live games, they usually start from an interest list, which online games don't, so there's no actual equivalent. But the, the bottom line is, seating in a new game should be first-come, first-serve, not a computer giving someone an advantage to always get a seat. So Greg Merson finally got tired of this, and he posted that he was pissed off about it. And he posted that he is now boycotting poker stars once he gets to his 300 VPP, because I guess he wants to get there to uh, get the bonus. But that uh, Greg Merson is now boycotting Poker Stars until they make auto seating not allowed anymore. Some people said last night that Greg Merson is just a whiner, that he whined about being shut out of good games in the Aria, and now he's whining about this. All he ever does is bitch about not being able to play with fish. But look, he's right in both cases. At the Aria, they were running these, quote, private games and uh, not making the list visible and shutting out certain people they didn't want in the game or only opening the game to certain people they did want in the game. He complained about that and he was right at the high limit games there. And he's complaining now about this auto-seeding scripting, which is also totally unfair. So just because a guy complains twice about a similar topic doesn't mean he's wrong. It just means he's the only one who is willing to complain or maybe he's getting the attention for complaining because he's a World Series of Poker main event champ. But great, I'm happy that Greg Merson is using his prominent status in poker to complain about these issues, these inequities. Because there should not be such favoritism, and there should not be such uh, technological advantages that people give themselves 
to unfairly get a seat at these games. So I don't know why Stars hasn't changed this. Yet another example of Stars dropping the ball. I don't know why this has taken eight months and they still haven't done anything about it. If you want to call in 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. is our Mount Charleston number. There's a comment in the chat from Povo. I believe he's a listener from Thailand. Regarding seating scripts, the newest commercial available program costs $1,000 plus 20% of winning? And how do they know how much you won? Anyway, that if you want to get the program to pay them a thousand up front and pay them twenty percent of your winnings, it's even worse than heads up sit and goes. One programmer has a monopoly. Without that program, you have no chance of playing a recreational player above the twenty dollar buy-in level. It's ridiculous. I have some friends who like to play them from time to time. I actually had to tell them don't play on poker stars. Never thought I'd have to say that. So he's trying to say that uh, don't bother playing sit and goes on poker stars now above twenty dollar buy-in because the heads up sit and goes you'll never get in. Without those uh, seating scripts, how is PokerStars allowing this? How? I can understand if PokerStars is trying to prevent this and just failing, but they're not even trying. It's not even against the terms of service. Crazy. So this really needs to stop. And I'm glad that Greg Merson has brought this to the attention of the mainstream because I didn't know about it till now and most others didn't either I think so uh, speaking of poker stars here's something I agree with that they did they banned Luke full flush Schwartz from both their site and from their events because he uh, he had some incident playing live at one of the EPTs I think it's Maybe at Barcelona. I think it was at Barcelona. But he had some big confrontation with a floor man where he was a real asshole, and they uh, they said, you know what, you're not welcome. You're not welcome on our sites. You're not welcome on at, at our events. You're just not welcome. You're banned from anything having to do with us. And you know what? Great. If a player is creating a very unpleasant situation at a live event, trying to intimidate players, floor men, getting physical with anyone, those players make poker, make live poker very unpleasant. At least online it's only words. There's only so much people can do to bother you online, but live it's very unpleasant to play with someone who is super disruptive, trying to be physically intimidating, whatever. So, those players, there should be zero tolerance for them, no matter who they are. And if Luke Schwartz really was causing a huge scene at the EPT and would not calm down and they banned him good he deserved it well when he was drunk he went on Twitter tilt and was taunting stars that he's still there despite his ban this is what he wrote what a night no multi-accounting on stars and pure yes fuck the haters Poker stars, some fucking rigged site. I will win the 5K W Coop on another uh, uh, match on another Max County fucking Nazis Nazi asshole. So he's trying to say, I'm going to win the 5K W Coop event on a, under another account. What he's trying to say. 
Fuck poker star some Nazi rig site. I may be drunk, but I will win one million dollars on other accounts. You will never know. You sad Jobsworth dickhead. So I learned last night that Jobsworth is someone who uses their job to uh, make life unpleasant for other people. They they use whatever limited power they have in their job to screw with people they personally don't like. And you know I hate Jobsworth. I hate people who are of that description that use their job against me or anyone else just because they don't like me or anyone else personally. But that's not what's going on here. These aren't jobs worth at Poker Stars. They they banned someone who did something wrong and they didn't want to have a part of him anymore. They didn't want him being involved as a customer in their business, and they have a right to do that. Uh, so he's trying to say that he will win not just money, but he will win one million dollars on their site using other people's accounts. But then he goes on to say. Furthermore, I will multi-account on stars every day till I get my account back. Hashtag misjustice. He's trying to say uh, misjustice isn't really a word, but uh, I guess uh, lack of justice. Oh, a phone call. I wonder who that is. Eh, should I answer? Nah, screw it. Screw it. I'll finish the show. Don't know who's calling me, but screw it. But saying uh, that he will multi-account on there to get them back. So not only is he going to play when he's not supposed to be there, he's going to multi-account and cheat until he gets his account back. He's going to hold this over their heads, saying, you guys let it, better let me back here, or I'm going to multi-account here. And then he finishes with fucking nerd jobs worth clowns. Then he writes, ban me from EPTs? Fuck you, you asshole-rigged clowns. I'm chirping the livening Rich, Richie Allen knows. Don't know what that means. Paid the DJ a grand to put the hip-hop on. Fuck Poker Stars, dickhead rig site. Fuck your lives, I cash out 6k a day, dickheads. So he's claiming he's cashing out 6k a day from there under his phony accounts. And he paid the DJ at some place $1,000 to put hip-hop on. <laughs> Paid the DJ a grand to put the hip-hop on I guess he's trying to brag That he has so much money He can afford to pay a DJ A thousand dollars to put on hip-hop When he wasn't playing hip-hop That's nothing to brag about Furthermore, fuck poker stars and full tilt Some rigged site I will multi-account you till you die Fucking dickheads I will win the 5kw coop No one on your whole fucking site Is having a better time than me right now, dickheads I pay the fucking bills for my family Meanwhile, you jobs worths so he's saying, I'm having a great time using phony accounts to win a lot of money on here, and you have no idea, and paying the bills for my family. Then he says, drinking fucking Alzage, uh, Sam Trickett is a fucking bondsman. I don't know what that is. Sam Trickett's a fucking bondsman. Sickest night, knocked the club, sparked a bouncer, girl, bitch, slapped the bitch. <laughs> I guess at the same club that he paid a grand to have them put the hip-hop on, that uh, he bitch-slapped somebody. I don't know. Sickest night knocked the club, sparked a bouncer girl, bitch-slapped the bitch. Played some eight-game on PLO and Stars, come and get it or am I? Dickheads, dickheads, I'm a fucking model, bitch. He's trying to say... I'm playing some 8-game in PLO right now on Stars. 
So come find me And then he said Oh or am I So maybe I'm just claiming To be playing right now And you're going to ban someone Who's actually innocent Ha 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 You'll never know That's what he's trying to say So he was Very drunk When tweeting all this He tweeted this From his Underscore underscore Full flesh One underscore Underscore account But if you go to that account now You're not going to see all that If you go to his Twitter account All you will see are six tweets since September 1st. The only one having to do with this outburst of his was on September 12th, retweeting someone saying that these were some of the greatest tweets of all time. But of course, these are totally out of context now because his tweets are missing. Here's my view on this whole thing. Not only was PokerStars in the right to ban him for his behavior at the EPT, but... If he's going to call them out like that and make fun of them that he's still getting through and they're a bunch of jobs worth nerds and he's still cashing out 6k a day and he's going to win the 5kw coupe and maybe he's playing right this moment, maybe not, they'll never know. Ha 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 ha. Well, at least have the balls to leave that up on your Twitter. Don't take it down once you sober up. I don't care if you were drunk. Once you tweet stuff like that, leave it up and let the world see. But instead he took it down Instead he took the coward's way out Tried to erase any record that he ever talked like that Look, words mean things You can't take back what you say Deleting things on Twitter Does not work if people have already seen it And have already reposted it He should stand by what he said Or if he doesn't want to stand by it Apologize for it Don't just delete it like it never happened At the very least if he's going to delete it Put something up like, sorry about that Tweeted a lot of things to poker stars That I shouldn't have I was drunk, I apologize to poker stars I'm not really on their site Under fake accounts Sorry But nothing All he does is retweet someone Praising him for tweeting All this stuff So he wants the praise up there But he doesn't want us to see the tweets that got the praise Because now he's afraid it makes it look bad If you're going to say stuff like that, leave it up. Don't say that type of crap. Don't taunt the poker stars and then become embarrassed and take it down and pretend it never happened. Really cowardly. So... Let me uh, get to the uh, second to last topic here of the afternoon... Actually, third to last. Last night I, had, I did a little bonus topic, and I'll do a little bonus topic again. Um, some of you know of Brett Ritchie, who is a poker rapper. There's, there's a few people in poker who try to rap, and, and to be honest, I don't think any of them are very good. But I'll, I'll give Brett Ritchie enough credit that he's better than Prahlad Friedman, though it's hard to be worse. But here is a Brett Ritchie rap that he did called Stack Him to the Top. He did this last year. And it's okay. You know, it's not uh it's not terrible. Here is Stack Him to the Top by Brett Ritchie. I want you to hear part of this. I'm not going to play the whole thing. And then I'm going to play his newest rap. It's really weird. Especially when you compare the two. <laughs>
So, so you hear it? He, he's making Jamie Gold references. Hey, you say you have top top Jamie Gold, whatever. Uh, you hear his voice. Now listen to him. He did a rap that's not about poker. He's he's trying to create some sort of uh, rap rivalry here. He's calling out what he thinks is a fellow rapper. He's calling out Rick Ross. He's trying to create like a, a Biggie Tupac situation, except uh, it's more kind of like a, a five-year-old kid calling out LeBron to play him one-on-one uh, in basketball. Not that Rick Ross is the okay. LeBron of rapping, but... <laughs> Spread Richie up in this bitch. Does that sound like the same guy? I'm getting kind of tired of this house. Quit following me, how? I'm tired of Rick Ross, same shit on every song. I'm tired of Nicki Minaj, same shit on every song. Okay, so now listen again to his stack him to the top just a year beforehand. Buddy Rock tried to keep it on the low. Check it out, you already lost. Now you know. Stay in the reverence. Hey. And that actually sounds like Brett Ritchie's regular voice, like what we're hearing here. Like, I've met him many times in person, and uh, that's how he sounds. A little bit different, but that's you can tell it's his voice. This this sounds nothing like him, this Rick Ross song. I'm tired of this jockeys, they won't even play my song. I'm talking hip-hop, it's time for us to move along. I'm tired of Rick Ross, same shit on every song. I'm tired of Nicki Minaj, same shit on every song. So someone's saying it's auto-tune, I should ask seriously serious about that. I know it's some sort of auto-tune, but... Uh, just kind of weird. It's weird in two ways. That he's calling out another rapper as if he's made it as a rapper, as if anyone outside of poker knows who Brett Ritchie is. And uh, it's also weird that he's using a different voice. All of his other raps have been his own voice. So why why use this weird lower voice to make him sound more black? It's really strange. He's tired of disc jockeys. They don't play his song. I wonder why. Maybe use your own voice, then they'll play your song. Whatever comes to my mind Like you're playing for seconds Okay, maybe not <laughs> Someone wants me to play uh, Another song that uh, this Rick Ross song reminds them of So I'll do that We'll, we'll compare this Rick Ross Song by Brett Ritchie To this song Oh, that's an advertisement. Hey, when there's an advertisement, that totally kills the show. I'm trying to play a song in, from YouTube, and uh, it's it's trying to hit me with an ad. Actually, a poker ad, strangely enough. The Snickers ad with guys at a poker table. I'm not going to play it, though. Snickers gets no free advertising on here. Anyway, here's the song. I'll let you use to. I look funny. But yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I'm drinking all the Hennessy you got in your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Pronounced with the Humpty. Yo, ladies, oh, how I like to funk thee. She in the building in the booth. I got so much money that I bought a gold tooth. I got so much money that I'm taking it from you. What you looking at, buddy? I see lies, I see fools. I get drug money, blood money, pump. Ah, jeez. <laughs> what do you say about that? 
What do you say about that? I guess it's just a hobby. I mean, I, I can't bash it too much, but just... I thought he was so much more charming doing these little poker raps because at least uh, at least you can laugh along with him when he's talking about Jamie Gold and Top Top, and you, you don't take it completely seriously. He has like a like he in his poker videos he tries to have sort of like the swagger that rappers always do, but, but at the same time you, you at least hope he's not taking himself seriously. But this he's actually trying to create like a a rap battle between him and Rick Ross, who will absolutely never listen to this. But uh, I'll tell you what my favorite poker rap is. It's not even close. Now, I, I may not have it here anymore, though. No, I don't have it. Someone will have to send me the link. Potato Salad by Nick Dugas. I can't play it because I played it from a link in the chat room before. But uh, Potato Salad by Nick Dugas is the best... Rap from a poker player ever by a wide wide margin. Sorry, I don't have it with me. Sorry, I don't keep a personal copy on my person at all times. Well, the movie Runner Runner has released a new featurette. A featurette uh, which is about the crackdown against online poker primarily the Black Friday crackdown of two and a half years ago and they kind of mix it in with a preview for the movie so I'm going to play you first the trailer for Runner Runner and then I will play you the little featurette Runner Runner is, is basically about uh, it's a guy who gets cheated in online poker. It's supposed to be like a site like UB. Goes to Costa Rica to confront the owner about what happened to him. And then the owner talks him into joining the company. And then after that the FBI gets involved and he doesn't know what to do. It's starring uh, Justin Timberlake and Ben Affleck as the bad guy poker company owner. And I'm going to be in the DVD extra. I'm not going to be in the movie, but a DVD extra about online poker cheating. I will be in that when that gets released. So here's the trailer for Runner Runner. You have a real gift. I want you to make this place proud. But gambling is forbidden on campus. I owe 60 grand tuition due next week. And that's if I don't eat. Change your tune, or you won't have a school to pay for. Is your plan to gamble for your tuition money? It must be really nice to have your education paid for. I've been three-tabling. Statistically, it's the right play. This is the one you wait for. Maybe he was waiting for you. Look how far outside the normal win rates the guys who beat you are. I was cheated. Forced to move offshore is one of the internet's dirty little secrets. Online poker. You're about to jet off to a country you've never been to with a language you do not speak. Do you have any idea how crazy this is? Which you first? This is the house. Why the house? The house always wins. Which is why we don't have to cheat people. But the math is right. Am I missing something? No. Programmers decided to write a backdoor into the code. You saw it. Game to me. This is a little something for your troubles. 
Unless, of course, you like sticking around and taking a shot at a real business. Guaranteed seven figures in the first 18 months. Excited to see you spend What do you say? What do you think? This is the place. All things are possible. Call me Agent Shavers. The FBI's into the kidnapping business now? You work for me. What are you talking about? Bribing an official. Racketeer. You have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. Just ask yourself, are you doing something wrong? Are we? Why is the FBI all over me? He's jealous. He sees what you have, he sees what you're gonna have, and he's plugging it away for chump change. You let me walk right into it, Ivan. This is your job. You want a clear conscience? Go start a charity. But if you want your own island, and your boss says you gotta go out there and take a beating, go out there, take it, come back to work, and say, do you need me to do it again? You have 48 hours. Get us the evidence on block. What I have to do to get out of this, I can't do it alone. You know I'm with you. Those are crocodiles. You know, at the casino, when they give you chips, they say, good luck, sir. They don't tell you. That sir means dummy. Good luck means... <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> so that's the preview. I don't think the movie looks bad. I actually want to see it. Now, I, I don't know if I'm going to break out the Jew wallet and, and pay to see it, or if I'll wait to the DVD they're sending me for free six months later. I'll probably go see it. But uh, here's a little featurette featuring the actors and the director from Runner Runner talking about Black Friday and about online poker in general. I will play that and then comment on that. For decades, there have been controls on gambling, but the rise of the Internet has allowed many people to break the rules. In America, it's been banned. Internet gambling, it's sort of like the crack version. You know what I mean? It's, it's right into your house, right into your room. Internet gambling is a $35 billion a year industry. It's all around the world, from Dubai to Costa Rica to all of these bizarre outposts where they can avoid U.S. regulations and laws. So that's the director of the movie. Brad Furman, I think is his name. Very similar to our movie Runner Runner. Rich, where are you going? Costa Rica. It's a fast-paced world. It's fast-thinking. It's cutthroat. It's funny. It's Justin Timberlake, he knows nothing about online gambling. Ben Affleck was the one who spoke at the beginning. He knows plenty because he got cheated on UB. It draws in all these girls and gamblers and hustlers. So this again. strange kind of perverse oasis has bloomed here. So like sticking around and taking a shot at a real business. Guaranteed seven figures in the first 18 months. What do you say? What do you think? One particular online gambling site did about $12 billion in business. That's beyond what Vegas numbers are. So it's pretty incredible. So I think that's the director talking, and I think he's referring to poker stars. I don't know. I don't know what they mean by twelve million dollars in business. I mean, technically, each bet could be considered business, or maybe they mean they collected uh, twelve billion dollars in rake. I don't know. Incredible. In the early days of online gambling, there was kind of a detente between retired FBI agents and the people who ran those offshore gambling houses. That changed when the United States decided that they were breaking laws and they were going to start enforcing those laws. There's a lot of shady operators in that world. It seems to breed people who are drawn to this element of risk. That's the director again. I, I see. I, that's not true. The reason there's shady operators in the world of online poker is because you have people willing to break U.S. law. So if you have people willing to break the law for large sums of money, uh, they're probably shady too. Not always, but usually. 
It's not about wanting to take risks. She is capable of being drawn in by this stuff, and Block uses Richie's pride and ambition to manipulate him, to get him to be part of his business so that he won't object to some of the things that he sees. The deeper you get into the story, the darker and darker it gets. The federal government waged a war of intimidation. They would try to keep scaring people into leaving the business, and actually were quite successful. A lot of people got scared. On April 15th, they called Black Friday. They announced indictments against the five biggest sites. Just a few weeks after the United States, in effect, banned online gambling, the British government is taking a different approach and says it prefers a system of proper regulation. European casino operators have existed now in absence of the U.S. market, and they've done very, very well. There's a big world beyond the U.S. Today, you can play poker anywhere in the world except for the U.S. You cannot uninvent technology by putting in place a law that pretends an industry doesn't exist. The industry is online, and people who want to find it will find it. There's the allure of that world with the women and the darkness and the sex appeal and the money and the power. It's a hard thing to say no to. People equate wealth with status, honor, success. Whatever it is, just get it now, get it now. The audience will feel that tension and pressure that keeps them on the edge of their seat and captivates them. You want a safer job, go work for the post office. You want a clear conscience, go start a charity. But if you want your own island... And your boss says you got to go out there and take a beating. Go out there, take it, come back to work and say, do you need me to do it again? There's a moment for this type of movie, and it's now. So that's a feature right there. In the back of your head. Not done yet. It's not your conscience. It's fear. Okay, so that was the featurette. And um, that's kind of a, a hybrid between them talking about online poker and its illegality and the people who run it and and promoting the movie. The DVD extra I'll be in will actually be just a frank discussion of online poker and I don't know if it'll also contain things that the stars talking about. It probably will, but uh, they tell me it'll be about 20 minutes and I don't know how long my part will be, but they tell me I will be in it. Beer and Poker said in the chat, Druff is probably going to go to the afternoon matinee and will sneak in his own Pepsi. You're probably not that far off. I probably will do both of those things. Actually, it depends if my girlfriend wants to see it. Then I'll, I'll go with her, not in the afternoon. But if I will go to a matinee and sneak in my own Pepsi if it's just me going. <laughs> they charge a lot for Pepsi at these damn uh, movie theaters. I mean, a lot, like four bucks, five bucks. It's crazy. I'm not sneaking in Diet Pepsi, by the way. Someone says I should sneak in Diet Pepsi. That, that tastes awful. I'd rather sneak in water. Um, 20 years ago, 20 full years ago in 1993 I did my ultimate sneak in I snuck in a big gulp Into a movie Yes, a 64 ounce big gulp I snuck into a movie And and by the way, back in those days I could drink a 64 ounce big gulp And it would not make me gain weight I was very thin back then much Much lighter than I am today This is 20 years ago, I was 21 years old But I actually had just bought a big gulp and um, I had a big jacket on Because it was like in December And it was a very cold day in December And I, the jacket actually had an inside pocket That was so big The big gulp fit in there So I, I snuck in the big gulp I zipped up the jacket Walked in And, and they didn't catch it 
I don't know if anyone has ever snuck in a big gulp to a movie, but I did that 20 years ago. So, getting to our final topic. The WPT World Poker Tour Championship has left Bellagio after being there for 12 years. They have had declining attendance to where the numbers are getting just downright embarrassing over the past several years. So finally, the premier World Poker Tour event has found a new home. It has been announced that it will be at the Borgata instead this upcoming season. Doesn't surprise me. They really are getting terrible numbers over there in Vegas. I I think that maybe in Vegas people are pokered out as far as tournaments go after the World Series. I I think just people don't really want to go to Vegas anymore to play non-World Series poker tournaments. I think it just kind of feels unnatural to people now. Not like the old days where people went everywhere to play every poker tournament. But I think now it's just it's just too hard for people to travel everywhere. So they, they want to go places that are not Vegas for poker tournaments, except for the World Series. So I think that's why it's been failing. And also, the Bellagio just doesn't run things right. The employees there tend to be surly. They tend to be difficult. Uh, as someone pointed out in the 2 plus 2 thread about it, the tables are too close together. Uh, someone on 2 plus 2 said, please listen to the players and just do two things, please. Remove about four tables, spread the others out, and get some fucking cup holders. Nothing ruins the vibe at a table like someone knocking their drink all over the table. Yeah, there's a lot they need to do at Bellagio. And... It doesn't surprise me that they left. Someone also suggests that maybe it was because of Doug Dalton, the former poker room manager, getting fired. That maybe he had some kind of relationship with the World Poker Tour that uh, no longer exists because he's no longer there. But whatever, don't expect to see the World Poker Tour Championship at Bellagio anymore. It is now at Borgata in Atlantic City, which is kind of the Bellagio of Atlantic City, if you must know. They're not affiliated, but they, they have some similarities. So, that's it. That That's all I had for today. If anyone wants to make a river phone call, I'll take it. Otherwise, I will shut down the show. And this is longer than I expected to go. I think I went uh, over two hours, even if you take away that time I had to take the break. So. I thank everybody for listening to this makeup show. I can't believe I just spent over two hours saying the exact same stuff I said yesterday. That was not a productive use of my time. To do a radio show and then the next day do the same radio show because some people didn't get to hear it. But that's that shows you how much dedication I have. If I didn't give a crap, I'd just say, tough luck, I'm here every week, come back next week, and you'll hear a live show again. Or you'll hear a show in the archives again. But here I did a show just for the people who missed it because it didn't record properly. And if somehow this didn't record properly, I think I'm going to jump off a building. Looks like it did, though. I'm looking at the uh, files on the server. So you can expect this one in the archives if you missed part of it. I will be back at the normal time and normal day of the show, Tuesday night, September 24th, 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time, or thereabouts. And always happy to have users listening to this program. People posting on the forum. Please post on the forum if you haven't been. Forum's been a little bit dead lately. So, post on it if you have something to say. 
because I, I'd love to see some new faces on the forum or even the return of some old faces that haven't been here in a while and just listen to radio. But anyway, maybe next week I'll have a co-host. Maybe I won't. You never know. But I will be here. I will be here just about every week. And maybe even twice if something goes wrong with the recording. So, that's the end of the show. I'm not going to take any calls at this point. We've, we've gotten past the point of no return in the All in the Family song. Once we get like 30 seconds away, I'm not taking any phone calls. So, we're done. This has been the makeup show of the September 17th show, recorded on the afternoon of September 18th, showing once again that I'm dedicated to this radio show and to the entire concept of fighting scams, scandals, and shadiness in the world of poker online and beyond. See you next week. Good afternoon. And shalom.